Welcome to the Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good weekend, a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be talking all about the update that just came out for Sea of Thieves. We're going to be talking about the latest Sea of Thieves uh, podcast episode, episode five, covering hot topics. So get ready to get into server issues, some hit registration, uh, the future of combat, as well as solo slooping uh there's a lot to break down a lot to kind of cover and some thoughts on what could potentially uh be coming with some of the sea teases that they did and also where is that missing mutt all that and more in this week's episode of keel hauled podcast but before I get into any of that, I want to thank the patrons because they're the ones that are supporting me through the podcast. They are helping make sure that the bills are taken care of and that I can slowly start saving up some money to hopefully make it to Sea of Thieves Fest at the middle of summer this year. So I'm looking forward to that, to meeting up with some of the patrons as well as some of the uh, other fans of Sea of Thieves. Uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to be able to get to go to the studio. It's kind of a bummer, but oh well, you know, these things are, are all under NEA and whatnot. But uh, I want to thank the patrons. They went over to Patreon patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast you can too and support me if you'd like the content you're listening to if it's helped you make uh some friends in sea of thieves if it's helped you stay informed when you're playing other games uh it's a great way for me to just kind of have a way to to have this stuff all taken care of uh so i wanted to thank all the patrons i've got 42 now it's amazing so thank you to el cute captain hasco chateau neuf cloud cosmic johnson davram tv el jefe esteban Jamie, Trickster, Jabaro5, Kazia the Rogue, King Flameheart, Lumpy SRQ, Okarian Darth, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike29, Munchie, Registella, Rustbell Kid, Savage Hamster, Norwegian, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Uriel Canes, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Fergatron, Murphy Lives. We've also got Neon, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Skinny Matt, Straw Hat Connor, Thor Von Blitz, Void, Quinzer Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. I love that you guys do this for for me it, it means the world it really does it helps out a lot and if it wasn't for you i'd be a lot rougher right now so thank you for your support it, it's it's really great so with that let's get into the episode oh before i forget patrons if you have a moment uh i wanted to announce that i'm going to be recording the next episode is a dev episode i was able to talk to john mcmurtry uh we've scheduled out an episode for next weekend uh so if you have questions the the patrons are getting the opportunity to put in their questions uh he is one of the head video producers over at rare so any of the content that you see on the youtube channel or social medias uh he is the one that's kind of in charge of heading that up making sure that uh they they know what they're going to be putting in the videos um especially with the most recent music video very interesting questions about why some of the things that we saw in there are things that are not actually in the live game right now. So if you have questions for John McMurtry, also known as the voice of Sea of Thieves, uh, let me know. There's a, a post over in the Keelhauled, uh, the Patreon. Make sure you head over to there, uh, put them in there or put them in the Patreon Discord channel if you want. So I'll be taking those to ask him uh, next weekend. So not much time. <laughs> 
First up on today's docket, let's talk about the update that we just got to Sea of Thieves. So if you've been uh, listening to the podcast, if you've been watching the content from Sea of Thieves, uh, you know that they put in a patch that was going to kick off the first mystery and the first adventure, uh, Shrouded Islands. So we now have Shrouded Islands that are out and about in the world. It seems like it's a few different ones like uh, Shipwreck Bay, Marauder's Arch. Um, obviously, we've got Golden Sands Outpost, which is kind of the center point of where most people are uh, heading over to visit and it's interesting to kind of be in that atmosphere. I think I spent at least a good couple hours the other day at Marauder's Arch uh, just kind of hanging out in there. I couldn't really find anything that was unique about it outside of the fact that it's just shrouded in a gold fog or not a gold fog. I don't know where gold came from. Uh, green fog and uh, I really like it. I think it has a, a nice atmosphere. There's a, definitely a lot of uh, eeriness to it, and it's it's welcome. I was definitely right about Flameheart. Uh, we did find out that they were actually talking about Flameheart as a world event uh, receding. So Flameheart is no longer a world event, and uh, so the good news is is that because of that, uh, you don't have to worry about finding his his head out in there. Uh, if you are concerned about the commendations that are associated with that, then there is some good news about that because uh, the Order of Souls sell a a Ghost Fleet voyage, and thankfully that voyage is actually something that has Flameheart's ship at the end of the last wave for the level 75 Order of Souls version of that, which means that if you haven't done those Order of Souls missions, thankfully, because those commendations are put in there, they thought about this ahead of time, and they've been able to uh, make sure that if you um, if you want to complete the Flameheart ships or get the, uh, what is the, the cannonballs, the Wraith Balls, I believe is what they're called in game, um, and you can get those from those last ships. So you don't have to worry about losing out on the ability to do those. They've been able to successfully remove Flameheart as a world event, and then now they've put it in this sinister fog. Reading from the patch notes, uh, let's go in here and just kind of talk a little bit about what they said. So, uh, as spectral activity increases across the Sea of Thieves, an eerie fog has rolled in, leaving islands enshrouded in its wake. One island touched by this fog is Golden Sands Outpost, which now lies in ruin with its inhabitants nowhere to be found. Golden Sands Outpost is no longer a starting point for new crews entering the world. The crews will no longer be given voyages to deliver to this affected island island one of the interesting things that has kind of sprung up around this is that uh everyone has started to notice that there are uh missing posters out there for a dog called the missing mutt and there's this hashtag missing mutt that's been uh showing up around the world uh whether it be on on palm trees or uh boards things like that every everyone has kind of seen a bunch of these in and around the world and uh i, I can't remember who it was i think it was tamaz on twitter was the first instance where i saw that uh, uh, they they had a missing mutt, but the mutt looks like it's actually in the Emporium. It looks like the Emporium over on Golden Sands Outpost uh, has been boarded up. All the inhabitants are now gone, except for a dog that is now there. And it makes me wonder if this was something where they intended for us to find the wanted posters first and then eventually find the dog afterwards, or if they intended for us to find the dog at, at any given point and it didn't really matter. But uh, it's been interesting to kind of see people, you know, seeing these these uh, these messages pop up. Um, I guess the question to me is, is um, 
who put up the posters because it seems like the pirate emporium uh like owner should have known like where the dog was when he boarded it up but uh needless to say I love when they do stuff like this. I think the change to the world has been really cool. I really love the fog. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how we further progress it when we get to like the soul flame things and when Bell eventually comes in. We'll find out more about that this week, actually. So if you remember, February 17th should be the day that uh, all of this kind of kicks off with the first mysteries uh, or first adventure, I think is, is actually what it is. Uh, and it's been nice to see because I think the mysteries are actually what Joe talks about uh with with kind of the arg stuff so the first adventure is great i'm looking forward to how it's kicking off it's nice to see what's going on and uh it looks like there was a couple other changes to the emporium as well too so season four plunder pass items are now in the emporium with four season uh with season four now in, as a distant memory uh the jackal leadership sent weapons and costume from the previous plunder pass are now available for individual purchase from the emporium which is why we're seeing that now a lot of people were kind of confused as to why we were seeing halloween stuff in february this makes a lot more sense so you can attempt to get a grip on your nervous nature with the vulnerable weapon pose emotes as well those are now in there uh the jackal looter ship collection uh let's see following its first appearance in season four's plunder pass this collection can now be completed with all ships items available for purchase for players only awaiting the cannon capstan uh, to complete their jackalooter cannons and capstan bundle is now available containing both items plus the cannon flare which is kind of a, a cool little cannon flare if i remember it's like a jack-o-lantern skull like a, a face uh just like if you were to carve out like on a pumpkin i uh, hate cannon flares so i probably will not be buying this bundle or if I do buy it, I probably will never equip cannon flares because they are terrible. Uh, a Jacka Looter Essential Bundle uh, for the ship is also available too if you just want the core cosmetics at a discount. They've also got the Thunderous Fury Collector ship items. Uh, after thundering into Season 3's Plunder Pass, the ship set has a electrifying new collector's figurehead and collector's sails that are available for purchase. Uh, the Cutthroat Weapon Set, which is the Killer Instinct Spinal Set, probably the best uh, as far as like ones I care about, uh, is now available. There's also an Ashen Cursed uh, Alstation, which is uh, one of the dogs. It's now a, a hot dog as I've seen many people uh, name their, theirs as. There's a Soul Flame Cannon Flare, which I can't remember. Maybe that's the one that actually looks like the... Uh looks like the um what's it called the the skull i can't remember i'd I'd, I'd I would actually have to boot up the game real quick and take a look so let me see if i can do that the runes and things exactly joe that's what i thought so the cut cutthroat weapon bundle that's from the killer instinct set uh but not the spinal the spinal was a special thing that came from a, a, a giveaway from new york comic-con back in 2018 uh this was one where i i don't know for sure maybe someone can tell me but i'm pretty sure it's fulgore uh that is the uh the character that is supposed to be representative from the killer instinct for the cutthroat weapon uh set and ship set and as far as the soul flame captain uh cannon flares it is just a green burst uh it was in fact the the actual jackal looter uh cannon flare that i was thinking of that gives you the uh tearing terrifying face that pops out and stuff um all things i definitely 
don't think I'll ever actually buy on purpose unless it comes with a bundle because I hate cannon flares. They are the worst. So anyway, moving into the rest of the notes, let's take a look here. Uh, there's some definitely, there's some new uh, props that came out. There's the uh, props master where you can hide behind stuff or pretend you're like planks or a flower that are it's, it's pretty adorable uh, there's the freebie emote so make sure you jump into the emporium just to get your freebie one uh, where is the throw a strope emote which i had to look up what a strope is or a strop i have no clue what it it, it it's supposed to sound like uh but it is it's kind of like throwing a fit you're 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 having a, a, a you know you're you're whining about something kind of uh so you're upset so but anyway free one there if you definitely want to make sure that you collect emotes when you can if you don't want to buy them all that's definitely a good one to grab uh let's see the da, 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 uh, time limited bundle there is the time limited heart reaper's heart pet bundle that's available uh, now you can save some money on that Reaper Heart Pet stuff if you want. And there's the Cutthroats and Canines bundle. Uh, this one is the Cutthroat Weapon bundle with the uh, Ashen Curse uh, Alistation with 1,000 Ancient Coins and 25,000 uh, gold for that. Actually, I, I kind of like those bundles because those bundles are usually about 15 bucks, uh, which is a pretty good deal considering what you're getting. Uh, with the ancient coins i do like the cutthroat weapon bundle um i'm i'm fine getting a hot dog from that as well too so i think i might actually pick that one up i'm saving my ancient coins right now because i'm waiting for the next season i'm waiting for season six so i can buy the plunder pass because right now i've got enough to cover the uh the the next season pass but i don't have a whole lot beyond that and unless I can get some more ancient skellies, which has been a help, actually, I will say the the ancient skeletons have definitely been helping getting keeping me above what the season pass cost is. That's kind of where I've been going. I've been trying to hold back on buying every single cosmetic stuff in the Emporium. I took Mike's advice and said and told myself, you know, I can I can hold off on some of this stuff. I don't need to necessarily see it. And it's not like I'm a uh, I'm not a Sea of Thieves partner, so I'm not getting this stuff to promote uh, for people so I can just look at other people put it on there and stuff but um, there's definitely some ship sets that I wish I had like the uh, Royal Revenge ship set I, I definitely think I wish I had that one because it looks it just it looks really 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 cool I did pick up that Crimson Crypt set because oh, man the, the, the vampires and gargoyles it's just it's right up my alley but uh, I'm curious to know if you guys have any that you were looking at or had your eye on for a while anything that that kind of speaks to you I mean I, I can't imagine too many people are really jumping at the jackalooter ship bundle or the uh, the thunderous fury set uh, but if you are I'm, I'd be kind of curious because we got those with the season passes and now that they're in the emporium it's kind of like a hey you know you got to pay a little extra if you want this stuff uh but if that's if that's something that doesn't bug you you know kind of curious to know who would be picking that stuff up let's move away from the patch notes let's talk a little bit about something that you need to be aware of so that you don't forget uh so we're getting another round of twitch drops these are going to be the twilight hunter set we're going to get more sets of that uh this time the four days that it's going to be available which is the friday saturday sunday and monday uh between the 18th of february and the 21st of february uh it is going to be first the hunter peg leg uh the hunter boots then the hunter shirt and then the hunter pants uh, 
So make sure that you're heading over to Twitch. Make sure you have your accounts uh, signed up and they are linked. Then watch any of the partnered streamers for 20 minutes on each day. Uh, you get 24 hours to be able to do that. It's super quick. You've got a lunch break. Just open up your phone, go to Twitch, whether it be through the app or the browser. Make sure you're watching one of the streamers that's going to be doing it, even if it's not one of the streamers that you normally watch, just to make sure that you remember to do it. You know, set an alarm for yourself now, make sure that it repeats every day, or join the Discord. The Discord server has a an automatic opt-in role option for Twitch drop, so you can react to the, uh, the opportunity to do that. I think I have that in the rules. Yeah, I've got that in the rules, so... If you head over to Keelhauled Podcast, uh, if you if you join the Discord server and you go into the rules, not only will you see all the things that I don't want you to do, uh, but then I'll see the thing that that I do want you to do, and I want you to sign up for those Twitch drops because we've got a few people in the Discord who at 2 a.m. my time every day uh, that they're active, uh, we always try and fight for whoever gets to post it first, and whoever gets it first, I usually give a little cookie to, which is not actually a cookie. It is a digital cookie, which is on par with most NFTs. So make sure you're heading over there and make sure that you're getting your Twitch drops. I hate it when people miss out on their Twitch drops, especially if there's opportunities for me to tell you about it ahead of time, as well as you for you to get like notifications in the Discord and stuff. So don't forget about that, all right? Please. Uh, some of the the things that I forgot about with, um, with the actual patch notes. I, I want to go back to the patch notes because I did forget about some of the things that they changed uh, until I started going down there. I was like, oh yeah, I remember I saw this. Uh, Shop filters are now an option. So now you can actually uh, filter through and this is, I don't know what it is for console actually. I haven't gotten to play on my console. The TV has been taken up by the missus. She's been watching a lot of TV lately, so I haven't been able to play on my Xbox. Uh, but I know at least for PC players, it's uh, the one key for me to be able to toggle like you can toggle currency in the emporium uh same same principle uh but with the shops it's going to be being able to filter through the stuff that you have the stuff that you don't have and then everything uh, which is really nice especially for someone who has purchased almost everything uh it's nice to be able to filter through and see like okay i know what i have i don't care what i what i have i care about what i don't have just show me the stuff that i don't have so having shot filters this is definitely a a nice improvement uh like it says under the gameplay improvements but i wouldn't say that this is the end all be all i i still very much feel like there is a lot of room for growth in the ui design uh this is kind of a nice band-aid for the the current problem which is is each set should be in a quote-unquote set and then you click into that set and it opens up all of them very similar to the way the emporium works when you click on a ship set it takes you to the ship set and then it shows you all of the available items within that ship set you can purchase them independently or you can purchase them as a full set that is that's where it should be with the with the cosmetics let's 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 get to that point and i think i'll be i'll be happy unless something just for some reason it doesn't work out well the other thing that i thought was kind of cool uh is the improved shanty selection uh when equipping an instrument holding the secondary interact button will now open the shanty radial directly allowing players to easily switch between shanties the reason this was always such a problem is it be, because it always seems to come up where uh, the radial is is too complex for what we are using it for. We've got too much stuff going on there. If you want to, you know, look, you know, if you want to pull up your instrument, you got to open up your equipment wheel already. Then you have to go to the second page. 
then you have to go to the instrument then you have to go to the shanties and then you have to go to the second page of the shanties it's it's too complex it's far too complex so they're taking the secondary interact opportunity which is for me the the i think the the initial one is f and i think the secondary is r i can't remember if those are primary secondary doesn't matter but you'll you'll see the prompt pop up and hopefully this will make it a lot easier for you to uh, be able to get there you still have to open your equipment radial and you still have to go to the second page but at least you can jump straight to the shanties uh, when you already have it equipped which is kind of cool oh i almost forgot too with the cosmetics they added the uh stegan stegan i don't know how to say it doesn't matter uh, there's a new admiral set in there if you're interested so they've added another uh cosmetic color scheme for the admiral clothing probably one of my favorite honestly if, if we're if we're talking about the original sets i think the admiral clothing is definitely one that suits my character very much uh, so that's available for purchase with gold hopefully it suits a, a color theme that you like better or maybe you're you don't have to worry about it you don't have to worry about buying that gold and they did add uh, ship wheel audio support. I think this is one that really will help uh, people like Sightless Combat who helm frequently. And uh, because of their, their sight impairment, they have to rely on the uh, audio and the, the vibration from the controller to be able to indicate where the ship wheel is whenever they're moving it. And this is just kind of adding uh, sound. Every time uh, you turn the wheel, there is a quarter turn uh, it will play a distinct sound to let you know that you've hit that quarter turn of the wheel. Uh, this is in the accessibility options, and you can tweak the volume to be louder or less loud depending on how you like it. So not something that's going to be in there from the get-go. I think this is something that will be uh, enabled when you want it to be not as default but really nice to see this uh, especially you know when you are dealing with combat if you're in a fight uh, you're going to get vibrations from getting hit by um, by cannonballs and stuff so in, and you want to make sure that you have secondary information from what's going on in the world around you so that if you can't rely on one uh, form of of feedback then you can at least rely on the second form of feedback which would be the audio in this case so nice to see that really glad that they that they ended up working on this and why not talk a little bit about the uh the radial some more uh seems like i'm jumping around on these patch notes so much but i figured uh might as well jump into this as well too so uh with a vanity chest players now have access to 10 pages where emotes can be equipped bringing up the radial uh, emote radial and cycling through the pages will now also only display pages which have emotes equipped. So if you go into the game and you jump in there and you're cir circling or cycling through your emotes and you're like, what the heck? I don't have 10 pages. Head over to the vanity chest and make sure you start equipping any that you want to use that you don't have currently equipped on those additional pages. Then they will actually show up when you pull up the emote radial for that. So just kind of a, a heads up for that. Uh, and then also they they did some uh, rebalancing on the sunken kingdom treasury. Uh, they found out that apparently the enough pirates have had gold coins in their pockets that have fallen out. So now when you go do a vault of the siren treasury, uh, crews will now be able to find at least two piles of gold uh, with consistent gold rewards instead of just the one pile of gold. Um, nice to know that that pocket change is ending up somewhere. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the quarters that people threw in the well in the Goonies and the Goonies went down to the bottom and they're like this is my wish this is my dream and i'm taking it back well you know you can take back your gold pile in the uh, sunken kingdom treasury from 
all the pocket change that probably fell out while you were fighting a bunch of uh, crustaceans and stuff. There were a bunch more of different uh, changes and fixes that came with the game. It does look like they added a bunch of stuff to kind of help out, uh, ranging from a different things like uh, the, the full billow achievement can now be unlocked uh, for when completing the required criteria. It seems like that was bugged. Uh, defeating skeletons or phantoms while under the effect of a cursed cannonball will now progress the master of cursed iron commendations. Uh, skeletons, uh, skeleton ships and skeletons using island cannons will now fire at targets more con consistently without long pauses between shots um little little interesting on that one i did notice i was getting shot at a lot more frequently from islands that i typically all expect like one or two shots from uh thankfully the aim is still really bad on those guys i guess you know not having eyes will definitely cause that but you know just expect that if you sail past an island you're probably going to get shot at at least 38% more of the time. So just be cautious about that. And also when sitting in a rowboat, interactions prompt different or for nearby seats and objects will no longer uh, show as they cannot be interacted with until the player stands. So if you're sitting in a rowboat and uh, you see that you, you, you used to be able to uh, change seats when sitting down, that is no longer the case. You have to stand up if you want to be able to do that. Uh, hopefully this does not cause issues with the rowboats. They're already kind of finicky in some places. Um, so just kind of nice. A uh, lot of different changes as far as like uh, the audio and visual things. I would definitely recommend that you go to the show notes for the, the podcast. I'll have a link in there that actually has uh, the the link to the show notes so that you can actually, or not the show notes, the release notes, um, so that if you want to be able to, to take a look at these guys uh, and read through some of them, uh, see if anything that you noticed is affecting you and see if they got that fixed, uh, then I will have that available for you as well as I copy that to paste in the show notes. Right, we've dug into the patch notes. We've talked about the new update. Let's bring in the big thing that kind of dropped this week, which was actually the official uh, podcast episode five entitled Hot Topics. And we're going to be diving through this. This was an hour and 13 minute long podcast episode. Obviously, I'm probably going to be hitting some of the major points, uh, but I kind of scoured through this. I went, I went and watched it and listened to it a couple times just to try and uh, see if I could kind of understand where they were coming from and then give you guys an idea of if I think some of this is going to be more frequent type stuff that we have to worry about or if this is stuff that's going to come soon or later. Um, but I wanted to kind of break it down based on what I was doing. So uh, right off the bat, um, the the people involved were going to be uh, Christina from the the uh, community community uh, crew or um, no, what am I trying to say? Community management. And we had Drew Stevens, uh, uh, who is one of the actual design or lead designers um, for the game, as well as Joni and Mike Chapman. Um, uh, it was good to see Drew kind of back in the seat. Uh, it's been a while since we had seen him. He's usually on the forums. If you if you ever go to the forums, he's over there as uh, Sonic Bob. And he's just a, a really nice guy. He's got a great family and stuff, but he's always got a bunch of tattoos that he always does. And uh, I, I really love that about him but uh he jumped in to, to kind of talk about some of the stuff that he's already talked about a lot especially in insiders on the forums as well as just in the forums in general uh he's always there kind of writing up um posts to, to kind of inter 
inform people about what the expectation is and where they're going with different things. So it was just kind of nice to have him here, uh, especially given the type of topics that they're doing. Uh, right off the bat, it was nice to see that the team is working back at the studio. Um, I think this is something that a lot of us uh, we're hoping would happen soon. Uh, unfortunately, because of things like, you know, coconut fever, it's tough to be able to make sure that, you know, you can do that safely. So it seems like things are safe enough now where they're able to have people come back to the studio uh, to, to be able to work on the game. Hopefully that helps kind of make things uh, quicker, more efficient. And they're able to turn around content. Um, the, the topics that they, that they talked about, I'll kind of break this down by chapter as they did. Uh, but they talked about server issues, hit registration, player numbers per session, cheating, the future of combat, solo slooping, spawn camping, uh, and, and just kind of the regular, uh, outro and stuff like that. Uh, the, the, right off the bat, Mike kind of talks about how a lot of the community requested features will finally see the light of day, um, which is interesting to to talk about because I, I try to think about some of the things that I still want from the game. Um, but I know that a lot of people mostly are kind of referring to captaincy. Captaincy seems to be like one of the biggest things that everyone wants to to kind of talk about and and have come to the game and just one of the things from maybe the the initial launch of the game that we still haven't seen what that that means what captaincy means you know and and really whenever i talk to someone uh, about it it generally comes down to wanting to be able to name your ship and as as much as that is a desired request i don't know if that's a, a full update worthy type thing so i think they're definitely going to kind of work on trying to make sure that um whatever they do come out with when it comes to captaincy that it'll be something that uh everyone gets an opportunity to really appreciate and that it'll it'll be more than just being able to name your ship you'll be able to like customize your ship who knows uh so after that they they do some you know they kind of talk and and i really do love the the relationship here uh seeing these guys kind of sit around and talk is is more like a bunch of friends sitting down and talking about the game the way we do when we're kind of doing that but these are the people that are making the decisions in there so it was nice to see uh joe and mike and uh, uh drew and, and christina kind of sit down and just kind of laugh with each other and be able to to respond to each other uh in real time as opposed to having to do things over video all the time um i especially liked all the jokes about uh the roadmap being tattooed on the back of drew's uh, uh back um joe for some reason i can't oh, oh i remember he was talking about uh, wanting to go back in time to talk about something and he, he's such a dork about this he, he started talking about how he wanted the little wavy lines and i was thinking like why would you go with wavy lines joe why wouldn't you want to go with the from the uh from wayne's world like that's that's clearly the best way to go back in time uh mike talks about um the the concern the concerns that they had with uh concurrency with community day um and joe joe really did kind of talk about this that the the community day thing was really awesome but also a real indication on how unprepared uh, they were for just how popular something like this was going to be, which it seems it seems silly in hindsight. But, you know, when you're trying to build up marketing, like we've had things like the gauntlet, uh, we've had things like uh, our art from the community on the Sea of Thieves stream, you know, uh, we have things like Twitch drops and stuff like that. So, you know, from their perspective, it's, it's hard to imagine uh, a level of concurrency on par, if not surpassing. Well, I, 
I, I should say not surpassing, but close to, if not on par with A Pirate's Life, where A Pirate's Life was, in fact, like the, the fact that they, they had booted up the game uh you know or not re not booted up the game but rebooted the game in a sense that it was in the zeitgeist for once uh we we had everyone talking about sea of thieves everyone was talking about the fact that pirates of the caribbean was now in sea of thieves it was a big deal so the fact that community day brought numbers that were close to that does feel very surprising to me and in in, in hindsight it doesn't seem like that should have been a surprise but from looking at it you know before then i could i could definitely see how that was the case Cupid works hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure your Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code KEELHALT for 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can't see past the love jungle. So I've been using their products, uh, which was provided to them for a couple weeks now. And I got to say, um, we're, we're definitely not pirates. So if you have a sword at home and you've been trying to do this stuff with a sword, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. We're not living in the golden age of piracy anymore. You don't have to use a sword for this sort of stuff. In fact, you don't even have to use a razor blade. In fact, you probably shouldn't even be using the trimmer that you're using now. You should probably pick up one of these ones because I've been using it for two weeks. I like this. I did my other razor blade and my uh and my trimmer because they are they pale in comparison to these things these things quality the build that they give you is nice i've never had an inductive charging razor uh, trimmer in in my entire life that i can actually use near water and not have to worry about it freaking out on me because i'm like near water or anything so that's really cool uh but yeah not living in the past living in the future if you're not taking care of yourself you're not only are you doing a disservice to your own ego but you're really doing a disservice to your loved ones and especially with february 14th coming up right around the corner why not serve those uh by better say serving yourself in my opinion so uh definitely i'm going to read you some some talking points real quick because i want to make sure i hit the uh, the verbatim stuff that they like and yeah gonna gonna talk about those but yeah overall really surprised at how good the, the build stuff is like I, I did not expect how good quality the products are going to be i i was anticipating lesser quality man really surprised by that so cool stuff i like it I like it. It's good. You should get it. The Performance Package 4.0 will leave you with more dating app notifications than Cupid has arrows. This lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed when freshening up for a night on the town. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000 LED spotlight that's bright enough to shine a light to your true love this year. Confucius says, education breeds confidence. So it's time you get educated on the ultimate grooming routine for all your areas of romance this year. This package also includes the Weed Whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to keep your boys cool and collected. 
Let's not just focus on your southern regions for this time of year. The Manscaped Refined Cologne is the cherry on top for the perfect date package. It offers a masculine yet light scent that will leave your ladies speechless. For extra freshness, the performance package also includes Manscaped's liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. This deodorant works wonders out of the shower, while the toner is perfect on-the-go weapon that is designed to keep your goods smelling wonderful all day and all night long. Manscaped has you covered this Valentine's Day. Get yourself the gift that you and your date will both appreciate. Go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the code KEELHALD. Remember, you can't buy love, but you can buy a clean pair of balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KEELHALD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code KEELHALD. Help tame the love jungle you have in your pants with Manscaped. So they jumped into the topics right off the bat. Uh, they're talking about server issues, which is great to hear from because this is something that has been plaguing Sea of Thieves for the last year, at least. And to hear that they are addressing it in this podcast is is nice because, uh, you know, for a long time, it's hard to know or hard to gauge how important of a problem the server stability is from their perspective. From player perspective, it's important because we either play the game or we don't get to play the game. And if we do play the game, we don't necessarily get to, to earn the credit or the renown that we want to uh, when we're playing. And, and that is a very detrimental thing to the overall morale of the community. So to have them speak to this uh, so, so deeply and, and to be able to talk about this is, is really great. So uh, I'm going to read through some of my notes here so I can kind of touch on these things. But um, let's see. So I say uh, they haven't been able to notice small things as new stuff gets added and changes are made that might end up becoming a larger issue. Uh, this became evident on Community Day at the end of January. The player spike was something that was close to the numbers of a pirate's life, but without the expe expected support. Uh, Joe goes on to talk about how the team that is responsible for implementing new changes and features is also in charge of keeping the game stable and maintaining that. As a result of that split focus, they are missing the quote-unquote tells, the little, the little red flags that you should normally be able to see uh, that should have been able to... Um, 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 get stopped before these things got pushed to the retail client. Uh, they they talk about this and in, in I, I want to I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this during the hit registration section here. But they they did say that there is a fix for this coming uh and, and that they're planning to actually spin up a new team uh that will have them purely focused on maintaining and quality assuring uh new features and changes to the game while also making sure that they uh have a, a backup instance of the game in case something goes wrong that they can kind of fall back onto so um as far as i've been told with people who are familiar with the game's development uh, sea of Thieves is not something that is being developed on two paths or what is most commonly referred to as forking uh, in in uh, a, a game dim or, or I guess coding in general. Um, you know, if you've ever if you've ever owned an Android and dug into the OS, uh, if you ever buy a Samsung phone, 
the Android operating system that comes on a Samsung phone is actually a fork of the typical Android uh, operating system. It is not the pure operating system. So unless you're buying like a Google Pixel, you're not going to be able to get that that pure Android OS uh, system, you're going to have the Samsung version of Android OS. And same thing with like an NVIDIA Shield. If you buy an NVIDIA Shield, uh, you're getting a version of, of Android from what I understand. And uh, that is the NVIDIA's fork of that. Um, so different branches off of a base program. The way it works in game development is you typically have uh, two different forks. There's the live fork, which is the the code that is actual retail uh, for the live service that you are are, are show or pushing out to the community, and then you have the development fork which is the fork that you safely develop on. So you can test things and you can quality assurance of. And then once that gets, uh, once that fork branches off, has the development, has the QA and gets and gets finalized, it will then merge into the original line that is the live retail until a new development path goes, or at least those features that are ready to go will then fall into the line that is is live while they continue developing on that that branch uh, that is purely for development. So that's as, as far as I understand it from what I've been told from people who actually develop these things. Uh, so because Sea of Thieves doesn't really have this what they do have is they have the insiders and they have the retail and both are two separate clients that is not the same client you can't access insiders from the retail version you have to boot up the 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 insiders client itself and they maintain those two separately but what they do do is they have the live service where they can do hot fixes, where they can do patches and stuff like that. And what they'll do is they'll take that code that they're developing on the live service and they'll push it to insiders to be able to give insiders an opportunity to test some of the features that haven't been turned on in the game and see how those go. If those go well, those will go gold and then they will take those features and enable them in the live service. So hopefully what this change is going to do what this fix will do is it will relieve the team that is working on new content from having to maintain the code and the live service that is currently active. They can focus on new features and changes and, and mechanics and things like that that are going to be moving to the, the live game when that actually happens. And the team that is getting spun up now will be solely focused on maintaining the code, maintaining the stability, looking for red flags that might be causing issues. Uh, so that we don't have issues like strawberry beard or co coral builds or coral beards uh, when the game uh, is is hitting a point of peak concurrency for the servers. Um, I, I'm glad that they're doing this. I know that they they talked in the past. I remember hearing Joe talk about uh, having ways to kind of identify some of these flags in the past. I don't know that they uh, treated it with with. Um, as as much sincerity as as they are now, it feels like they are very more. They're very more uh focused or, or it feels like they're more focused on what's actually going on with the game and the stability just because the issues have become so uh ingrained in in a week-to-week -week experience like we experience these issues so frequently now that it has to get addressed and i'm glad that they're that they're able to spin up a team hopefully this isn't a team that is having to do double duty hopefully they're being able to 
take take people from uh, the departments that are active and assign them the roles to be able to do this as opposed to just being like, all right, well, now this team has to wear multiple hats on top of uh, what they're already doing, which is, is was the problem from the get-go. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, and, and it does look like thanks to the roadmap that uh, Christina and her team are going to be able to continue to have some of these community days throughout the seasons, uh, which is, is nice because it is kind of a nice way to kind of celebrate what's going on in Sea of Thieves. Um, so I, I, I had this feeling that this was the case, that they were going to, to take the lessons learned from this community day and apply the changes that were necessary for the next community day so that hopefully the next community day would not run into these problems. It feels like this is just verification from the, the team themselves saying that that is exactly what is going to be happening. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead uh, in the podcast because they went on to talk about hit registration. I want to, uh, should I? God, uh, I don't know if I should. All right, well. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll jump into hit registration now because I wanted to bring up uh, something that was actually really cool to find out. I was doing the Xbox wrap-up podcast, which if you if you don't know, is actually the podcast that I do for general news for gaming, whether it be PlayStation, Nintendo, or Xbox, but it always comes from an Xbox perspective. It's just called the Xbox wrap-up. Uh, I was looking at some information that had come out recently from uh, Halo. Halo Infinite has been having some issues, um, and this this is going to be a bigger topic so i'm probably going to be talking about it briefly just to kind of introduce the the ideas and i imagine on the community event we'll probably get some or the community episode we'll probably dive a little bit more into uh into hit registration and some of the things that they're planning on doing um, but to kind of break down what they are planning on doing uh drew took a moment to kind of uh, talk about hit registration which he he mentioned to him was like a fight or flight response uh when he hears the word so next time i go to a, a next time i, I see him at a convention i definitely want to yell out to drew and just be like hit registration drew come here <laughs> i need to talk to you about something you know just see what he how he reacts uh but the the interesting thing here um that we found out about was that they are they're contemplating they're testing they're prototyping hit scan for combat with guns uh and and this is this is a really interesting take um if you're not familiar with uh, shooters in general, and I, and I don't blame you because I've had to learn this. Uh, I think I started learning about it in the days like probably back in like 2016 or 2017, probably probably around when Overwatch came out was when I started to get a little more ingrained in the information about uh, combat with guns and how that works in games with latency and things like that. And there's I'm, I'm going to put a link to uh, an article that came out as a result of Halo Infinite. Uh, there was uh, 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 Richard Watson, uh, one of the lead engineers for the Sandbox team over at 343 Industries, who, who does Halo Infinite uh, for a majority, uh, wrote out an entire blog going over some of the major issues or, or common network-related issues that have been uh, showing up with Halo Infinite multiplayer. Because if you don't know, that game is a very competitive game, and they strive to do as much as they can to uh, make sure that uh, things in the game um, react and act the way that you expect them based on what you're seeing but considering you are playing a game and then there's latency to the server and then the server then has to communicate with the other people uh, in the game so that what they see is the same thing that you see and also what you shoot is uh, properly registered on the on the player who is moving away or trying to get away from being shot 
Um, and it's a it's a difficult thing. And even with a game like Halo Infinite, which is designed to be a an, an arena shooter, uh, they are already having issues with hit scan and being able to make sure that uh, hit registration is is something that gets addressed. So, you know, when a lot of people sit there and be like, oh, I can't believe see if these hit registration It's terrible. You know, how can they not figure this stuff out? Even games like Halo Infinite and Call of Duty deal with hit registration. It is not a problem that any game uh, is free of. It is always something that is an issue because when you have multiple people connecting up to different servers, they're playing all over the world and there's always going to be latency between the servers and the clients and the other clients. And it's it's just a, a fact of the matter. This is why we have land centers built so that when people go to do competitive esports, they all meet at one place, they all play off of a LAN, and there's no latency because they you can't rely on that. And, and unfortunately, things like COVID have really tried to mess with that. So how does that pertain to Sea of Thieves? Uh, like I mentioned, they are they are testing hit scanning internally at the team, and I I have to say that it's it's not something that I'm comfortable with right now because I haven't heard the other side of what is coming with hit scan because right now Sea of Thieves works off a projectile system which means when you fire a bullet, there is an actual physical geometry associated with uh, with that point of where that thing goes. So there is a, a sense of gravity, physics, and drop-off that come into play with uh, that bullet. Thankfully, things like wind and, and whatnot don't mess with the physics of it, but you fire a projectile. That projectile has to uh, calculate the, the, the math that it needs to do to, to go from point A to point B given physics and drop off uh, for gravity and whether or not it actually hits something. And if it does hit something, is that something, uh, a thing that, that will register damage? And if it does, does it calculate the damage properly given what it was shot from? With hit scan, it's much different. Uh, wherever your cursor is, when you click the, the fire button, it will then draw a line uh, in the game and not, not a physical line, but it will draw an invisible line from where you aimed the gun and what was what was in the way of that gun. And if whatever was in the way of that gun, regardless of, uh, of, of like projectiles or anything like that, if there was something to shoot and it hit, when you click that fire button, it will immediately register. You don't have to wait for the bullet. You don't have to wait for, you don't have to calculate the drop off. It is instantaneous. It is a point and click laser beam, like they say in the podcast. And the reason why they are hesitant to move to a hit scan uh, a, a means of combat is because it, it removes some of the immersive feel that comes with uh, using projectiles or using actual, you know, bullets, you know, fake bullets in this case, uh, when you're firing in Sea of Thieves. You know, you, it doesn't feel like you're actually firing a bullet. Instead, it feels like you were clicking someone and they take damage. And while that is a lot more reliable because all you have to do is draw a line, there's no physics involved, uh, you do have the sense of knowing that when you hit hit someone with your shot it will hit them and they will take damage and there's very little little opportunity for there to be any kind of error unless of course you're playing in like halo infinite where someone runs around the corner and there's a lot of latency between 
when the person sees the person or sees the opponent that they fire at, they fire at them, that that action gets sent to the server and then that server calculates it and then responds to the to the client uh, or to the opponent and the opponent's around a corner and they're like, why did I just take damage from around the corner? And it's like, well, because all of that stuff happened before you ran that ran behind that corner the server is now telling you now even though you're well beyond the the line sight of uh where that person you know from that that person that shot you it's all kind of confusing and i'm feel like i'm doing a bad job here of it uh but basically it's the difference between instant damage if someone sees you in their reticle versus having to wait for the bullet to actually fly through the air and hit you um which gives you a sense of opportunity and when you have projectile based combat it it's the same thing it's the same physics for anyone that's playing regardless of if you're playing mouse and keyboard or whether or not you're playing on controller uh, the only difference comes down to how quickly you can turn and how quickly you can pinpoint uh shoot someone and in sea of thieves there is no auto aim assist uh, there is for harpoons but as far as i know the weapons do not offer any kind of auto aim just like there's no uh headshot multiplier so if you hit someone in the head versus in the leg there's the same amount of damage is calculated it doesn't matter uh the same thing with pirates having different body types all the body types in sea of thieves are normalized so they all have the same hitbox so even if you have a really large pirate their hitbox for damage is the same as the skinniest pirate that you can find uh it doesn't matter how how skinnier or or large of a pirate you are um, you will get the same hitbox as everyone. So it may look like you were hitting a pirate who's really big, but if you're glancing off their arm, it may look like it hit their arm, but if their their hitbox is smaller than their arm because it is a normalized hitbox, then you're not going to actually have that hit register, which will also appear to be that the game is not doing the thing that it should be, but in actuality it is. It's just taking into account the fact that all pirates have a normalized hitbox, which is what registers uh, bullets whenever they do get hit and they take that damage. Um, I, I definitely feel like there's two aspects drew's coming at it from a perspective of this would very much uh increase the the registration for hits it, it would be a lot more accurate uh it would be a lot more reliable that's what i was looking for i was looking for reliable it'd be a lot more reliable with hit scan the difference is is that there is a pretty big discrepancy between mouse and keyboard players and controller players when it comes to playing hit scan um if you've ever watched overwatch league which if you haven't i would i would highly recommend going to youtube and just looking up um like Widowmaker sniper shots and finding a finding a video that just has like the the top clips from pros who are ex exceptional at flick uh shots which is when you uh, have a low dpi on your mouse where your mouse moves very slowly because it is uh the the lower your dpi is the slower your mouse moves the higher dpi uh is the 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 more uh space that a, a mouse cursor will travel so the idea is is you want to have it on a on a, a button or a toggle so that when you are sniping you want to have it on low dpi uh so that or, or low sensitivity so that way it doesn't move that much when you move it and it takes a much grander action to be able to get it to move a, a, a questionable amount of distance versus a high dpi which is a high sensitivity and it moves really far really fast uh for a slight movement 
So when you're looking at having hit scan and people on mouse and keyboard who can quickly adjust their DPI on their mouse or their mouse sensitivity with a with a button or a toggle, um, they can flick their body or the, the mouse around really quickly and get really good pinpoint accuracy with that compared to a, a controller, which, you know, you can do that, but there's not really a good way for you to uh, move when you are aiming down the sight of a weapon quickly like you you can adjust the sensitivity for that but if you want to turn fast you typically have to uh, stop looking down the site or uh, increase the sensitivity uh, mice actually have like a, a mouse acceleration rate that you can actually do so if you are aiming down the site and you move uh, the the faster you move when you are aiming down site the sensitivity curve will actually adjust so that it will move it f further faster than if you were just to do a slight slow movement so there's there's actually a lot of settings for mouse and keyboard for mice just to be able to uh, really kind of hone in your play style with your aiming sensitivity and it, it's it's a whole it's a whole deep rabbit hole that controller people don't typically have to deal with so when i hear hit scan coming to something like sea of thieves where it is a roughly 50 50 split between xbox and uh, pc players whether you're on steam or, or playing on on uh, microsoft it's I, I i feel really concerned because uh there are going to be a lot of players who are exceptionally good at mice and keyboard even without hit scan right now and that's kind of scary uh when you're when you're looking at a game that realistically two shots and you're dead if someone gets you with an eye of reach and they can get you with a flint locker or parts of let's see you know a couple pellets from a blunderbuss you're dead and that's that sucks because that's that's not fair Com compared to games like halo uh where the time to kill is higher than most it takes a lot of bullets to die in halo uh call of duty has the issue where the time to kill is actually really low uh but it's less punishing because you you respawn quickly it's an arena mode this isn't like you're sailing a ship with a bunch of treasure and you lose your ship because of it one thing that was definitely made clear as a result of this conversation was that, uh, and, and Mike kind of speaks to this and he, and he draws this uh, to attention, is, is that they recognized that even though the game was intended to be like an action game where you're in this shared world action game, uh, they, they recognized that the combat is a very large part of the game and while it isn't just you know fun with tall tales and digging up treasure and killing skeletons and uh, fighting the occasional ship um, that combat does need to be taken care of it does need to be balanced and if you aren't taking care of that you run into these instances where you're starting to uh, lose the trust of the game from the player perspective and that is very important you have to trust the game when I go to play Destiny, I don't think about whether or not uh, a hit actually registers or not. I, I just know that I can kill stuff with the guns that I'm using. I have no concerns about that. I trust the jump to work. I trust, uh, you know, everything to work in, in the game. And if it doesn't, it feels weird because Bungie has really kind of solidified that game code. They've, they've made it very stable to be able to play. I've never had problems logging into the game. I've never had problems with uh, getting the rewards from stuff. I've never had problems with shooting something and having it not register. All right, let's get into server stability and server players. Um, we've been talking about this a little bit, but 
to talk about server performance and what's been going on, uh, they wanted to address some of the major issues. Um, the, the biggest thing that kind of came from this was that they tried some of these fixes kind of behind the scenes with uh, with November's update and December's update. Bear in mind, these were things that happened post uh, Sunken Kingdom. I know Sunken Kingdom had some things that happened that caused issues with uh, the, the server stability in particular, things that they didn't anticipate or, or catch. Um, unfortunately, the fixes that they put in for those months didn't really go over as as well as they expected and it wasn't until january that they started to implement some tools that we've seen that we've actually kind of been questionable about what's been going on and that was them having the ability to not only limit the number of ships but also limit the number of crews um which is why we've seen the changes from like 24 players to 16 players and things like that uh they realize that this is kind of a ripcord this is like a oh no things are bad we have to address this now as opposed to a sustainable change for the future. So one of the nice things is that they um, they are working on a, a couple different things with this. Some of the fixes that they're planning on doing is uh, changing the way their servers are uh, set up, their, their server blades, that the performance that they're getting from the servers that they have are not good enough for what they want to do with that um if anyone's been familiar with uh with with world of warcraft i'll use them as a good example because the server blades that the game started on back in 2004 are not the same server blades that they are they are using today in fact they have a much broader way of splitting up a lot of the community base for world of warcraft so that uh things are on multiple servers that can have more capacity they can they can handle more uh inflow and stuff and that's why they're able to do worldwide launches all at once using phasing and using ways to have like a, a system that allows people to jump in and not have to worry about a queue or, or issues with matchmaking something that we've been seeing with like the strawberry beards and the cor coral beards so them talking about upgrading the server blade structure that they're using from what i can gather thanks to drew is a nice kind of way of admitting that it's been four years on this hardware and uh the game is not the same that it was back when it first came out there's a lot more going on and one thing that i did want to address that was uh a, a few episodes ago i, I kind of got in a little bit of a hysterics i was i was maybe a little a little more worked up than I typically am about this kind of stuff. But uh, I talked about something that came up with a core virus and how uh, there was this discussion around turning off events or turning off parts of the world to try and compensate for the server stability that has been an issue recently. And Mike kind of speaks to this. He says, you know, a ship is not a vehicle, which I, I'll, I'll kind of leave that for what that is. But um, ships are the most expensive asset in the game um they 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 deal with the most physics they have the most complexity to them anything that happens with a ship is the thing that that costs more as far as server performance than anything else in the game everything else in the game pales in comparison even the ship fleets are are minute in cost uh for performance um, and size compared to the actual ships so when they take out one ship that one ship is enough to really kind of sway 
how the performance is for the servers. And as they've been testing this out, they've been seeing that, you know, this is an issue that they need to do. So uh, because they can't just go turning off parts of the world to fix this solution, they're going to have to do something that actually upgrades the actual hardware of this from what it sounds like. They're gonna to have to do more fixes for that. So it sounds like they're they're working on that and it shouldn't be a problem uh, when things get implemented, but I would still be curious to see how long it will take for this kind of a fix to start taking effect because it is definitely an issue that I think is kind of on the top of my list as far as when I feel comfortable jumping into the game, is everything going to register? Am I going to be able to come across all the all the players? Like they want the game to get back to the state where it is six ships per server with a potential of 24 players per server. Like they want to be able to have six galleons sailing around because if you are a galleon on a server with 16 players, well, you are effectively one fourth of the potential player base on that server. That is a big power play. That is a very big power play. If if all the other crews on there are sloops, then unless they are really good sloop crews, which is definitely a thing, uh, you're going to have the, the kind of uh, a weighted balance for winning out fights and stuff like that. It's going to be tougher for you to, to deal with that. Now, they may, uh, you know, they can sail around you and deal with you, um, you know, by their... Uh, sailing into the wind or just being able to be more more uh, uh, agile things like that uh, but genuinely like you're going to have more firepower you're going to have more tools to be able to deal with um, you know sailing around you can lose a couple masts and still move things like that so that's that's some of the issues that they that they're dealing with that they they wanted to touch on and just say like hey look as they are working towards uh, hit registration getting gunplay under control that kind of goes along with server stability and that they're they're working to try and make sure things like that are taken care of before they start moving into things like uh, sword combat and uh, combat balance in general. Um, I did like the fact that they did kind of touch on combat. They are, are looking to actually, let me see if I can find where it is in my notes. I can't think of it. Oh, okay, so um, they did kind of talk about how uh, the principles of their combat and how they are have been set for a long time since the game came out. So as a result of that, um, they are not they're they're not looking to really change that right now. But it, it is something that they are interested in taking another look at. And what I mean by that is they want to see if there are ways that they can add things like different weapons, um, different types of, of equipment that can change or impact a fight. Like we've had things like the Dark Trident come in and that has been a combat change, but it has not necessarily been a, a, a fundamental combat change. Like it doesn't impact how you use your, your eye of reach or your, your blunderbuss or your sword. They want to take a look at that when things are a little more stable. So Joe goes on to to talk about later in the episode that they uh, if they had the opportunity, they wish that they had had a chance to go back over combat again from the get go and kind of take a, a more serious look at what what is a good balance for that and make that more of a core feature as opposed to uh, the thing that takes place when you do come into an encounter with that. Uh, but, you know, they made it really hard for themselves. And they say this a few times in the episode that they recognize like they're you're on a ship in an ocean on moving objects with moving projectiles and trying to you know hit someone with a melee weapon is all very difficult things to do in a game and have those work out properly one of the big things that came from this though and and i think this is something that um 
is really going to see if, if you had any question about how serious they are taking hit registration at this point, the fact that they are looking to big uh, build up or, or, or get a co-development partner to start working on building a new combat prototype, that, that is a, a big deal. They're looking to, to not just take a few people that are there or hire on some people. They're looking for a new partner to co-develop the combat system with um which essentially is like hiring another studio just to get familiar with the crew uh get familiar with the team with the tools that they're using which joe says that that generally would take somewhere around six months to do once they are comfortable with the tools once they're comfortable with building in sea of thieves then they can start working on prototyping a new combat system something that changes you know like how you guard how you uh swing is swinging enough should they should they build out the swords to be more uh, uh, flexible of a tool should they work on different weapons should they work on different ammo types should they work on sites or, or things like like they're so it's so hard to understand like maybe what they what could come from things like this that that's why they're they're putting together this this co-development partner that they're looking for they want to have someone that can really just kind of think outside the box when it comes to sea of thieves combat but still remain very true to the nature of a pirate game so they said that the prototype itself once they've got accustomed to the tools can take anywhere from nine to 12 months to develop a brand new combat system and see how it works out. And that's something that is, is just at the point where they're like, all right, we're ready to test it. So once testing begins, then they have to try and actually see if it's something that still feels fun, that still feels good, and is still not too detrimental to the current system that is being uh, being placed in, in Sea of Thieves, like what we currently work with. And if all of those things go well, then they can push it to insiders and see what the insiders say about it, see if it's worth doing and see if it, if it fits well with how the game is. And then if that's the case, then they can go back and actually see if they can start pushing that into the live service and how who knows like how long that's going to take there. And if it doesn't, that means they have to go all the way back to the drawing board and that year's worth of, of prototyping may, you know, bear some fruit but may not be salvageable. They may have to go back to the drawing board and see just what, what they can do to kind of come up with a, a different approach and then to build and prototype off of that. So that is, we're talking at least a year and a half to two years worth of development time dedicated to a combat system that may or may not work. But if it does work, then hopefully it enriches the Sea of Thieves experience. That is how serious they are taking hit registration, that they're willing to hire on an entire team to help co-develop as a partner a brand new system that hasn't even been crafted after they've become accustomed with how the game is currently being built. And then if it works, giving it to the players to test out and to see if that works. And then, you know, in a year and a half and two years time, bear in mind, this is a game that they're planning on having for 10 years. We're only in the fourth, we're, we're coming up to the fourth anniversary of the game being launched. We're, we're talking like year five uh, to hear something about what the combat system could be. We're talking year five and a half to maybe year six of Sea of Thieves before something like this gets implemented, if it works out. So when we talk about hit registration, when we talk about the idea of switching from hit scan to projectiles, when we talk about upgrading the server so that uh, they can handle the performance better, that, that you can get more reliability as far as logging in and turning stuff in and hit registration, things like that, like they are on 
they're not just looking at the short term. They're looking at the long term. And everything up until this point, from what I can tell, seems like they have been trying to handle this on the back end so much that it is not something that has been player facing. Everything that has been player facing is just the issues that we're running into, which is it's a shame because I know that the team cares and I know that the team is working on it. But without that communication uh, of, of hearing from them and what they're testing and what they're doing, and knowing that some of this stuff is probably going on in insiders, but because of the non-disclosure agreement, that's not something that you can speak openly about because you can't guarantee that the changes are going to happen. And you don't want to set that precedent uh, for, for people having expectations on stuff that is being tested. So it's it's a difficult it's a difficult uh, bunch of plates to spin in the air. You know, you've got multiple things going on at once and every all of the team is looking at each of the different plates and trying to make sure that each of them is getting a little bit of a spin, a little bit of attention uh, as they continue to move forward with the game. Because, you know, if one plate drops, then that means that other plates are not getting attention. And right now the plate that is dropping is server stability, hit registration, uh, and things, other things that they're talking about. Let's talk about cheating. Uh, they continue to address cheating in the game, but from what they're saying, it's pretty rare that it occurs. Uh, they can't really talk about how they deal with it, but they still have no to uh, no tolerance policy on it. And I would push back to say that loot sprinting um, should be brought up as a cheat, if not something that directly modifies the game. Um, I, I, especially when it's speaking to making the game like have a certain feel, like there was definitely an emphasis uh, from Mike that kind of spoke to the the feel of playing a pirate game, you know, and, and loot sprinting to me, while not game breaking, is definitely something that I feel is immersion breaking. Um, if it isn't just in fact that it's it's quicker for people to move. Uh, uh, you know, items from one place to another faster than other people who are just running it. Um, and, and to point, if you're willing to remove double digging because it is getting up loot faster, then on the same note, loot sprinting does the, the exact same thing. The only difference is that instead of uh, burying or, or unburying something or, or digging up something, it is just moving one item from the next. So um, while it isn't technically, I guess, cheating at the moment, it does kind of break some of the philosophies that I think the team has. Uh, and I, I'm willing to be wrong on that. I'm, I'm willing to have them tell me that, you know, I'm wrong about that. But uh, Mike talks about the principles uh, that they have about combat and, and why aren't uh, why you aren't having large swing timers with like a giant broadsword. Uh, they are looking to uh, see how they can grow combat to, to be more than what it is. And if that requires some bending of those principles uh those rules that they have then they feel like maybe they should um i i do like that but genuinely as far as like combat and uh cheating goes it doesn't seem like there are actually a large number of people out there actually cheating and and i i've probably seen it as well too it feels like sometimes people are cheating but at the same time a lot of these people have just been playing the game for a long time and are very very aware of like the damage it takes you know how to aim shots how to lead things you know cannons things like that it's all experience as opposed to cheating all right, so the last two things I'll dive into, um, two topics, uh, sloops and spawn camping came from the, the actual 
uh, podcast episodes. So uh, Mike talks about how they understand that at the beginning that the sloop was considered hard mode uh, if you were playing solo uh, as a pirate. And that's, that's very true in that instance. And the idea was that you would sail on a ship and uh, using the make friends emote, you'd be able to find additional crewmates to play on larger ships. Uh, given the development for the game over the years, it's clear that playing as a solo uh, sloop crew has uh, become even harder. Um, and an example of this was when you were playing as a solo sloop, uh, when a cannon fire hitting your capstan, uh, it, it would actually drop your anchor and they eventually had to change that. So about 57 minutes into the podcast, Mike talks about solo players and respecting that play style, but also having a variety of experiences with other players in the game. And there are ways for players to make those connections in a more meaningful way, which is a very vague way to kind of describe um, what they have as far as the intent of the game goes. Uh, he says, how can we allow solo players to make those connections more effectively with other players? Um, so some some thoughts that I had in my head was like guilds, uh, some factions we've talked about in the past, uh, identifying ship intents like the Alliance flagpole idea I had a while back, uh, things like this. But additionally, I, I wonder if they're talking about being able to dynamically change ship types in session. Uh, th th it's a bit more of a stretch, but finding another player and being open to upgrading your ship from a sloop to a brig or a galleon is definitely kind of what falls in line with being able to make those connections more effectively with other players. Um, having having the ability to, uh, you know, see someone and, and be able to say like, oh, hey, you know, I really I, I was playing solo. I would love to play with you guys more often um but I, I i can't i can't join your crew um with the ship type that you have we would have to get another ship and being able to have a ship type dynamically change could be another way for you to make those connections in a more meaningful way so just some thoughts then the last thing was spawn camping uh they're looking uh, what can be done to improve that experience when a, a ship is sinking but it takes a long time and having to kill players to lock down the sink with Mike's comments here, it feels like they're talking about boarding uh, axes and, and using them to break away repaired holes to allow for more water to fill in, uh, especially given the fact that if a ship is locked down and they're just waiting for other ships to put holes into the hull, there's not much to do. Uh, you can set fire to the ship, but that's, you know, that's a risk to yourself as well. And it, and it doesn't really even put holes in the hull at any good speed. So a boarding axe would help uh, fix that. But I, I think it comes back to that combat balance that I talked about earlier. And if you're going to give up your sword for that, and then what place does the sword serve if you have an axe that has more value? If you can take off, uh, you know, your planks off of the ship and actually use it as a combat weapon, then it doesn't really serve as much. Uh, it serves way more than just the the sword would serve. So uh, they do talk about something that is being tested and has been talked about for a long time, whether it be a mechanic or how much water flows in through the holes of a ship. And that's something that I I really do think like it feels like they're kind of talking around the boarding axe but again it kind of comes back to that combat style and that combat balance and them wanting to get hit registration and server stability taken care of because you can't really introduce a new weapon type like a boarding axe that would um that would kind of 
serve as a way to sink a ship faster if that's you know if you kill someone and you and you take them all out and the ship is then and you're just waiting for the ship to sink it sucks to just kind of sit there and wait you kind of have to protect the holes and stuff um, sometimes you can grab supplies i know some people will bucket a ship so that it won't sink so they can steal the supplies this is a very viable tactic and and if you're caught in that loop as the victim uh then i would highly recommend you scuttle the ship to try and prevent them from getting supplies or you know most people just jump servers in that instance um but i do think that a boarding axe would be a solution here uh it just kind of falls back to that combat balance and if that's going to work so overall though um th th this was definitely the top people of sea of thieves actively saying they hear us and they want to do everything they can to give us the best possible experience and i wouldn't have it any other way i would i would love to continue to have these discussions with them i think that the the, the podcast uh, has done well to serve us in the instance that they are are giving us the feedback that we want to hear to to know that there are steps being taken outside of a forum post to address uh to a larger audience some of the things that we've been talking about for a long period of time and not heard any response from the team themselves and and to have them kind of talk about this uh, openly during the podcast felt reassuring it felt heard you know you felt like you were noticed uh, especially given that a lot of the time that we are, have been playing it feels like they're 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 promoting new content they're promoting new things and they're not addressing to us uh, the concerns that we have about the game as far as its its current state um, so this was kind of a nice state of the player or state of the game kind of an episode for us and and I really have to thank the team for taking the the couple hours uh, from multiple people to kind of break this down, you know, edit it, publish it, get it ready for us, especially given its uh, frequency after the fact that it was uh, done after Community Day, which was back on the 27th. So they had, you know, 20 days roughly to to kind of get this out. And I, I appreciate that they, that they did that. So thank you to that. All right, Pirates, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for joining me this week. Uh, it was really great to have a chance to sit down and dig through the, the episode and just to kind of see some of the cool stuff that's coming in this week. If this is the start of the first, you know, the first year of this adventures and mystery stuff, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see how this world is going to continue to evolve. It's, it's the thing that I really loved about Reaper's Hideout when we were doing that. So this is cool. We I, I want more of this. I can't wait for more of this. I think it'll be great for the game i think it'll be great for players to jump in and have something changing on a regular basis uh, so i'm looking forward to that so uh if you want to get a hold of me there's plenty of ways to do that hit me up over on twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n uh, you can always write into the podcast at c-a-p-t l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com join the discord if you want to jump in and learn more about the sherpa program that we're going on or we're working on and trying to build out the roles for that but i got to hear from the sherpas about you know what kind of kind of tiers they want to have as far as their their schooling system and whatnot so i gotta get with them to to find out more about that before i start throwing up uh, random rolls for things like that um other than that pirates if you guys have a chance and you haven't already i would really love it if i could get some more spotify five star reviews and some more itunes reviews for people who are out there looking for see these podcasts you know it's it's nice to see that see these is putting up their own I've been doing this longer than they have, uh, but I've been I'm not nearly as uh, connected to um, the Sea of Thieves devs 
as uh, as they are, so they can just talk to each other. I gotta I gotta Biden scrape and whatnot to try and get my my uh, my interviews from them. Speaking of, again, next week I'm hoping to have uh, John McMurtry join me for the next episode of Sea of Thieves. Uh, for the Keelhauled podcast. That's going to be a great interview. He's an awesome dude. Uh, we're going to be talking all about some of the stuff that it takes to try and get content out for Sea of Thieves over on the YouTube, what it's like trying to produce multiple shows for things like that, what it's like trying to get people together so that they can sit down for a couple hours to record a podcast, all that kind of stuff uh, coming up next week. I can't wait to talk to him. He is the voice of Sea of Thieves, so it'll be really funny to kind of talk to the voice of Sea of Thieves in a long, uh, long form uh, as opposed to just the, the short clips that we get with episodes. So uh tune into that pirates that's going to do it for this episode so thank you i love you and i look forward to sailing with you on the sea of thieves service announcement from the starter set Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your D&D campaign. This is the starter set podcast. You know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs. So it's Howl's Moving Castle mm -hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? The hosts at Robots Radio get a lot of questions from people who are interested in starting their own podcasts about how they can start, how they can grow their audiences, how they can create good content, even what microphone to use, and what software to use, things like that. Well, we're changing things up at Robots Roundtable to talk and share about the things that we've learned, the things that work, and the things that don't. We're sharing with you our actual real-world experience. How can you launch a show like the Fallout Lorecast and get as many listeners as we did early on and rock it to the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts? How do you create a show in such a crowded marketplace as it is today, as opposed to 10 years ago? We're getting together every week to share our answers with you. Just look up The Podcast Professor, a Robots Roundtable with the hosts from Robots Radio.